0: so that you can learn how to build a successful and aligned business simply as a byproduct of your personal awakening. So when you're ready, take a deep breath, and I'll see you on the inside. Welcome to you, everyone listening. Welcome back. Uh, I always joke around and say, grab your green tea, and everyone who knows that I do the weekly calls always have my green tea with me, and it's just so funny that how fitting this was because Brigitte Mars is our next guest, who is uh, just the master, just over 50 years of experience in herbal medicine, in being a nutritional consultant, and looking at her resume, I could just talk for days, because she's (laughs) written over 14 books on this topic, she's obviously created so many DVDs and programs, and, and She's done blogs and, and, and journaling for Huffington Post and all these really major articles. And so I wanted to dive in deep because I know how immensely important health is around business. If you look after yourself and you feel energized, you feel whole, you feel clean because of what you've been ingesting in your body, it, is, it just gives you that boost that allows your allows your spirit to thrive right this is the body we're in and this is the type of energy that we want and so we dive in deep in terms of really cool practical strategies for you to what you can remove from your habits but also what you can introduce along with many many things that I had no clue about and many areas that uh, that I over uh, I basically overlooked so feel free to dive in deep in here because it's not only just about health, but it's about taking time for yourself. Brigitte talks about this and taking an hour for yourself every day when you wake up and to be in that momentum phase of just not only planning your day, but giving yourself that freedom, giving yourself that time to, for, for you. And you can add all of your all of the holistic, practices and health and exercise in there Uh, but if you want to if you want to take this seriously seriously reach out to Brigitte because she will give you insights specifically tailored for your situation specifically tailored for your life and it goes well beyond my uh, well beyond my my skill my skills and wheelhouse of expertise Um, but I've been practicing many of this uh, for the last couple of years. And it's just radically changed, not only my life, um, but also how I feel day in, day out. And so if you're keen to grow a business, you're keen to grow spiritually, you're keen to contribute what you're here to contribute. Your health is, the, the your health, I will say, is one of the top things that will contribute to that success. And it's one of the things that's the most overlooked. So I'm, um, I'm so excited to bring you this episode. So excited to share Brigitte and her wisdom, but also more and more than that, I'm uh, very, very keen to see what results you have on the other end. Here we go. Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Awaken Your Business podcast. I've been looking forward to this interview for a couple of weeks now because uh, Brigitte Mars basically. Signed up to be on the podcast as a guest, and the day after, I was watching a a documentary on uh, on plant medicine, and lo and behold, she was featured on there. And so I was I was blown away. And then to learn what she's done in her what well, fifty years' experience in terms of in terms of nutrition, in terms of uh, fourteen books published, and not a, not only all the all the DVDs and programs, but also posts and uh, and and blogging for uh, for Huffington Post and, and some really really cool things. Uh, she's just built an empire of success and and a wealth of knowledge in the areas of of health and and nutrition and all the really cool things around herbal uh, herbalism. And it's just so cool just to have you on here to talk about health, to talk about how business owners can look after themselves, make time for themselves and, and build a successful business by placing yourself first and placing your, your health, placing uh, priority on your spirituality. So Brigitte, thank you so much for being on here. It's an absolute pleasure. I'd love to give you uh, the floor to let the audience know who it is you are, what it is you do and, and, and how you got to be here.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much, Tyson. I am uh, I live in Boulder, Colorado, and I'm a medical herbalist. I'm um, also a mother and a grandmother. I teach herbal medicine at Naropa University. And as Tyson said, I have written 14 books on natural medicine, health, healing. I wrote one called The Sexual Herbal, Rawsome. Uh, the desktop guide to herbal medicine and i also have a private practice i am a psychedelic sitter and an end-of-life doula but really my whole focus i'd say my life is dedicated to helping people get healthy using natural medicine food herbs supplements and one of the great things about this when we use those kinds of medicines we're also helping the planet because somewhere on the face of the earth there's fields of aloe vera and lavender and chamomile so it's a win win for everybody
0: yeah it seems and it's uh, from a lot of people who are into this world it seems like their energy is one of nature it's 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 of oneness it's using uh it's using the the resources we're given in the way that we're meant to be using them, right? So there's a real clear energy of 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 oneness and wholeness, and it's just a it's just a really cool uh, way that we can explore not only our own world, but how we can pour that out into what we do in the world and our business and everything like that. Flow. So, how did you get into this? How did you uh, find yourself on this path?
1: Well, my French Canadian grandmother, she just knew a lot of folk remedies, and I love that. Um, I love that her idea of ice cream was to put maple syrup on snow. Of course, we made the maple syrup. She made her own soap in a cauldron. Um, She grew vegetables, which I probably thought would have come grown in a can, you know. Um, And so I just loved going to visit my grandmère, as I called her. And um, by the time I was uh, going to an all-girls school in my teens, at maybe 15 16 I was teaching my classmates sort of experimenting on them so if they had a headache or cramps or something I thought well come to my room and I'll see what chamomile tea does or peppermint or give you some ginger and and I found that it really worked and so I just got more and more inspired and when I was in Uh, school, any time I had a paper due, I would always turn it into an opportunity to learn more about botanical medicine. So if I had to write a paper about, you know, French history, I would turn it into herbal medicine during the French Renaissance, or um, Plantas Medicinales de España. So I would just always turn everything I had to do as a way to learn what I really wanted to do and you know as a child i grew up in a time when antibiotics were ever present um the food was very processed and i was always an avid reader and i would you know read the cereal boxes in the morning and see all the list of artificial uh colors and preservatives and i remember being like 10 years old and saying i wonder if that's part of what's making people sick and you know granted i'm surprised that a lot of those things still exist but um to me, it made all the sense, and it—it it wasn't just about being healthy. It—it it felt like it was more um, spiritually correct to use things that were created um, by the Creator. And I know that very often, you know, a lot of my good friends are doctors, but there's always this argument that um, herbs haven't been properly tested, for example. And I always say they've been used by millions of people for thousands of years. And I think just a couple years ago, someone won, I believe it was the Nobel Peace Prize for the discovery that the herb Artemisia annua uh, was beneficial for malaria. And I said, wow, someone won, just won a prize for that. I mean, that's been used in Chinese medicine for centuries. So... I feel that it's, um, there's nothing new age about it. It's really tapped in to something that is really founded in tradition. And one of the big difference between herbs is, I think you say it in um, the land down under. Yes, do you call it herbs? Yes, Yes. I tried it, I like that. So, um, but science is always trying to take apart the plants and look for the active ingredient. Because you can't patent the plant, so if you take an herb apart and say, "Oh, it contains, you know, uh, quinine, or it contains um, codeine, or it contains uh, ginkgolides." Um, and then you separate that or you synthesize it you often are more likely to get more side effects because plants are like a symphony they're not just one component they have chlorophyll and vitamins and minerals and simple sugars and essential oils in them and you know i always marvel that you know, an herb like dandelion, which people often think is something that needs to be uh, killed with pesticides. And yet dandelions are one of the first foods for the bees in the springtime. They are delicious. In this past week, I've made uh, dandelion mushrooms. I've made dandelion loaf. I've boiled the long stems like noodles. And I'm 67 years old. I have so much energy. And uh you know, I really believe that this works, but yet, uh, when we focus on natural medicine, it's, it's something to learn, and rather than having someone else be responsible for our health, this is a great opportunity to take more responsibility, because who's going to care more for us? And, you know, right now, um, we're still in the time of the, the coronavirus. Um, and I see that there's like the quest. We need to find a vaccine, but yet, um, you know, natural medicine, why don't we investigate some of that? Because natural medicine was used during the bubonic plague and found to be effective. Things like garlic and oregano, certainly um, half, you know, I think a quarter of Europe died, but it's because there was this stigma about, you know, not, Doing healing work, that it was really only through prayer and penance that you could get well. But um, there's all kinds of recorded history of finding those simple peasant medicines were really very effective.
0: And, and so, do you do you pronounce it oregano? Yeah, yes, yes. Pronounce it. We we pronounce it oregano.
1: Okay. That's, well, that works
0: too. It's completely different, and and we I make <laughs> I make fun of uh we my brother and I make fun of the, uh, you know all of the spices and stuff because we traveled uh, Canada and he traveled the states and just the amount we pronounce something different is so funny. But I mean this is incredible because you've always been drawn to this, you know, shifting your essays and whatever you have to write on to do with uh, plant medicine and to do with health and to. And to, uh, and to basically educate yourself on this topic. Um, my, my initial question would be, what is generally your health? What do, what do you generally eat? And because uh, everyone in, in the world of business is now starting to come around and reflect on their health and realize their health means their productivity, their, their sharpness, their ability to, um, their ability to grow and, and, and contribute. What is it specifically that you eat? What have you found that has been really, really helpful in, in your health and and longevity?
1: Well, I've tried just about every diet there is, and I, um, I've, I, I was a raw foodist for 10 years. I still eat a lot of raw food. I became vegetarian when I was 16. Um, I, you know, went back and forth with that um, when I was studying Chinese medicine because one of my teachers really thought that I needed to eat more red meat. Um, I seem to do fine eating mostly plant-based food, but I really think, Tyson, that one of the real secrets of having a boundless energy is to eat more wild food. And by wild food, I mean things that people might consider as weeds and Um, The reason I think that they are so superior is these are plants that have figured out how to adapt, often to difficult environments. Because when I I think about weeds, I'm thinking of things like violets and chickweed and um, malva and um, dandelion and burdock and yarrow, for example. These are plants that grow without anybody planting them. They survive drought much better than anything in your garden. And the, the diet of most our uh, civilizations right now is we eat a lot of very finicky, delicate annual plants that die with the first frost. Like if you're growing zucchini or tomato and the frost comes, those plants don't survive. But the weeds were thriving for a month before you could even plant the garden. And they'll still be there for a month after almost everything else has died because of the frost. And so I feel that we can imbibe some of the super adaptability strengthening properties from the wild plants. And the good news is it can save you time. You know, right now we're looking at, wow, the air is so much cleaner, people are driving less. But rather than thinking you have to get in a car and use gas and go buy a vegetable that maybe was grown in another continent and then trucked into the store, you know, we keep talking about we should eat more local. Well, what could be more local than what's growing on your, in your yard, your balcony, your porch, for example? And tonight I made a salad, and it did have some, a lot of wild things in it as well as lettuce. But the amount of life force that you get from eating something that's so fresh, it was growing five minutes before you're eating it, you don't get that at the store. So I love wild food, but I do, um, you know, lots of greens. I try to eat all the colors of the rainbow. I'm very conscientious of eating all the different flavors because all the different flavors um, activate different organ systems. So, for example, you know, depression is such a common concern. And I don't see enough health practitioners talking about um, we would probably have less depression if people um, ate more sour Things Like um, lemon and water or um, tart apples or kiwis or uh, citrus, for example, um, so i'm I'd say that that's a lot of what I do, but be conscientious of all the colors, all the flavors, things that are fresh, wild, and you know I like to say i'm I'm flexible, but i I do love chia seeds, I think those are a wonderful food, and I think that um, we should all learn to embrace those; they are high in omega three fatty acids they're great for our brain, great for our kidneys, and you don't need to cook them. you just soak them and they're full of life force.
0: I can imagine so many people going out now just seeing just exploring what's in their backyard and <laughs> and they're growing in between the 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 fences of their property and and just seeing what it what's there and, uh I've never heard that before, never heard just to focus on what's wild. And it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, to be able to be in the, in, in the, you know, ingesting things that were literally just growing things that were are literally so uh, wild that they survive those harsh climate. I mean, it does make, it does make a lot of sense. Would there be, would you give any advice to someone who's, who's about to about to jump into that side of things and explore within if it helps them?
1: Sure. Well, we certainly don't want to eat things that are harvested within um, 50 feet. I don't know what that is in meters, but 50 feet of a busy road. Um, It's good to collect things from clean areas. We certainly don't want to eat things that have been pesticided. So, you know, a couple of environmental concerns that ride on this is um, that grass you know, lawn grass uses about a third of the of the North America's water. I don't know what it is in your continent, but, you know, we have a lot of states that are pretty much desert-like, Texas and mm. Nevada and Southern California, Arizona, and people still insist on having, you know, green grass, green grass, so we use all this precious water resource to water lawns which nobody eats and then we use more gasoline to mow it down and that's really a travesty and so um, I really like the idea I really think in the future we need to think about how are we going to have adequate water for the 8 billion people that are about to be on this planet. Um, So conserving water and then, you know, using that water to grow food rather than just grass because, you know, grass, I, I know it's nice to have a little patch of grass, for example, but there are many other things that people could have as a very low growing ground cover. Such as violets or chickweed, for example, plantain that could be providing food and medicine uh, you know throughout most of the months of the year that would save water, save time, not be so tall that you can 't you know have a picnic on the lawn, um, but the whole idea of having A lawn that was very manicured and very short was really a concept started by the British aristocracy in the late 1800s as a way of showing off how affluent they were. And we need to think now about how can we feed 8 billion people? How can we have enough for all these people? And it really is going to come down to creating more local food resource. And, you know, people always say Darwin said, you know, survival of the fittest. But it's really survival of the most adaptable. So being able to adapt. And, you know, we could even be concerned about, like, you know, what is the world going to? There's chemtrails and cell phone towers and, you know, all these things that are maybe um, possibly undermining our health. And I don't think all those things are going to go away. But if we're going to stay on this planet and have good health by eating the plants that still survive well in the city, despite the drought and the pollution, of course, we want to eat them as clean as possible, I feel like that really holds a key because the, the dandelions and the wild things are still thriving, even though no one watered them or even planted them.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. I've never never thought about it that way. And so I guess I guess what comes up for me is if I'm a business owner and I'm becoming more and more health conscious, I'm becoming more and more aware that my energy is what allows me to go and produce in the world and my energy is coming from mainly what I'm producing and what I'm, what I'm ingesting. Uh, What are just some quick tips, some foundation things that you have found to be true for a, a business owner to generate the energy that you feel?
1: Well, I think that it may take getting up an hour early in the morning to have time for yourself because a lot of people Wake up in the morning and they have to be somewhere and we just have to deal with, you know, get get to where you need to go. And by getting up an hour early, it does give you time for a healthy breakfast, for doing yoga, for taking your supplements, for drinking herbal tea. Those are usually all things that I've done by, you know, 8.30 in the morning um, and so getting up early and then, you know, creativity is really important for business people. And I think a lot of people that rely on being sharp and being able to brainstorm with their co-workers use a lot of coffee. But we also know that coffee, when used to excess, is an irritant to the intestines, the prostate, the kidneys, the bladder, that it can make us feel uh, anxious and a little nervous. Um, So we certainly don't want to rely on that. And so some of the herbs that I love for people that want to be quick thinking and witty and creative, I think of um, rhodiola, rosea, which is a wonderful herb that grows in a difficult climate like the Arctic Circle, like Iceland, like Siberia. So that tells you something. I think of holy basil or tulsi. And these are things that you can use as a tea or a tincture or a capsule. If you visit a natural food store, you don't have to go to Siberia to procure it. Fortunately, um, someone's already done that for you. Um, But also, I do think that a lot of eating more superfoods, which I think include wild foods, um, I would have to say that one of the ways that I wrote 14 books is um, I love Yerba Mate which does have some caffeine in it, Um, but it also has a lot of antioxidants, and I find that it brightens your mood, and uh, it doesn't make you feel nervous or hyper. Um, Green tea would be another possible substitute for people that drink a lot of coffee. Uh, Green tea rather than black tea, even though green tea and black tea come from the same plant, the health benefits, the polyphenol and the catechin content is much higher in green tea. And it um, is said in Asian medicine, it gives the spirit a place to rest. Um, So I want to share another technique with you, Tyson, because a few years ago I was writing a book called Addiction-Free Naturally, And I realized that I wasn't following my own advice. I was sitting in front of the computer all day. I was um, maybe not eating salad, didn't take my supplements, hadn't gone outdoors, didn't do yoga. And I realized that that wasn't going to (laughs) work. So what I did was I made a list of all the healthy things I could do in a day's time. Use the water pick, floss your teeth, take an aromatherapy bath, do yoga, do a dance video, um, get outdoors in full spectrum light, um, clean something, w- whether it's a shelf or a counter or a, a drawer, um, maybe a prayer, meditation, all, the, all of these things. Now, who has time to do all these things? None of us. Because there's other things to do. But what I decided was I would I made a very long list of all the healthy things. And then I wrote the days of the week across. And, I, and I, so I made it into a chart. And I said, if I can do seven healthy things a day, rather than going to bed at night and say, oh, you're such a loser. You you really, you, you ate fried food and you drank too much coffee. You say, I did seven healthy things today. And then you find you really build on that. And then at the end of the week, you can look at your chart and say, wow, I was really good about the things that I ingested, but I really need to work more on, say, the exercise portion. And one last thing I'll, I'll say is... Uh, Another technique that I think is very valuable is to get ready for the next day the night before Because many people especially if they have high stress jobs have a hard time sleeping And I think part of what keeps them awake is they're thinking about what am I going to wear? What am I going to have for lunch? Um, I need to put uh, Gas in the car or I need money for public transportation or so anything you can do to be ready For the next day, it's going to give you more peace of mind and it will also help you to have a more serene um, morning rather than being frantic and forgetting things. And it might mean that you look at, well, what's the weather going to be? What kind of clothes should I lay out? Pack your healthy lunch the night before so there's no excuse to eat something, anything less than um, excellence. So those are are a few things that I like to do.
0: Yeah, I mean waking up an hour early to just take time for yourself. I find everyone knows they should be doing it, but not everyone uh, generally puts it into practice. But when they do, they realize how important it is because you set the the momentum for the day, right? You set, whether you do your herbal teas, whether you do your uh, yoga, your exercise, your meditation, your journaling. I mean, it's such a clear practice that, the rest of your day, consciously or unconsciously, just it just weaves into your, like you say, your creativity and, and how, you, how you react to certain circumstances. So that's awesome. I guess everyone knows me. I do Zoom calls every week for my online community. And if I don't have my green tea when I'm on, it's like they don't even recognize me. So I always, I always make fun of uh, everyone when I jump on and say, everyone grab your green tea. And if you don't have it, you're not allowed in here. Um, so that, that's funny. It's good that that comes up. So, I mean, do you have any other advice? Cause if someone's in a space where they're like, okay, I'm going to sit now, wake up an hour every day. Do you have anything in particular that would, that would work well in combination, whether it be a combination of exercise or yoga or herbal teas or, or diet? Do you, do you recommend if someone's just getting started, what would be a good, uh, good thing to put them in momentum?
1: Well, I do think that you know everyone's list is going to be very individual. Some people like yoga, some people like going to a gym, some people like to go swimming in a pool. Um, it's also good to have a backup plan. If you are a runner, what do you do when the weather's inclement or when you're in a hotel room? Um, And so it's good to have a backup plan. Maybe you do um, an online, you know, dance class, or maybe you vary things, um, so it adds more variety. And there's so many um, DVDs and things that you can get online. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, so I think it, it might be helpful to make a list and, you know, if someone is in a relationship or looking for a relationship, something that I think is really important is, you know, look for someone who's going to be supportive in living a healthy lifestyle because that's going to add to your health. But if you find yourself in a relationship with someone and, you know, their idea of a good time is, you know, drinking too much or eating food that's going to make you feel toxic and polluted, well you know that might be nice for a short while but that's not going to be really long lasting and sustaining and you know um last night i was telling my 15 year old granddaughter like what to look for in a partner and i had like this uh, according to the chakras like seven qualities and because um you want someone to satisfy you on all seven levels you know body mind and spirit really not just you know they make a lot of money or they're really cute or they play guitar or or something i just you know i was trying to like yeah. You want someone who you could live a healthy life with yeah. and who's going to support you in being your very best. Awesome,
0: I'm a, I'm all of those things. So I, <laughs> I think I, I think I'm a catch. Uh, but that, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's cool. Uh, I guess being in practice, being, being able to help people in this way, what's some, what's some transformations and some results that you've seen with your clients once they start living a more healthy and I guess conscious lifestyle?
1: Well, you know, I think one of the things I really try to imprint on people is that it's really up to you. And, you know, I was uh, at a meeting a few weeks ago and a man said to me, my doctor's going to get my blood pressure down. And I said, really? Why don't you get your blood pressure down? I mean, how's he going to do that? He's going to give you some kind of drug which is going to allow you to keep eating the same things that are contributing to the high blood pressure. And so that might work for a while, but if you only do the drug and you don't make any lifestyle changes, something else is going to really let you know that it's not really happy. Um, And so I I try to coach people. You have to motivate them. And, um, you know, I think some people might find keeping a food journal really helpful. I teach uh, herbal medicine at at Naropa University and so one exercise is the students keep a food journal for a week and then you know a lot of times we don't realize just how much sugar is in there or where's the protein or I don't really see that many vegetables there or um, you know there's not not much fresh fruit in this and again I'm certainly not trying to in that my students all have a uniform diet, because, you know, there's a lot of things. Some want to do keto, and some want to do, um, there's a a different one every week, (laughs) Um, the paleo, or the vegan, and vegetarian, and raw, and all that, but I still want them to be aware, like, are you getting a lot of different colors? Oh, I see there's a lot of um, processed food in here. Um, So, I'm trying to inspire them, and. So by keeping a food journal, it can give us a lot of hints as to what we might do to improve it. And also I ask them to reflect, um, are, are you willing to what do this better? Like, are you willing to not eat in restaurants as much? Or uh, another thing I like the idea of is having lunch as the main meal. I think that culturally we often... Eat dinner out or have big dinners, but most people are more sedentary late at night. You know, what are they going to do? Watch a movie, read, you know, talk with friends. Um, But it's during the day when we really need a lot more fuel. And I know there are certainly exceptions to that because we might go out once in a while or go to parties, but I like the idea of having lunch as the main meal and then dinner might be something more light like a a salad or a soup or, or something like an early dinner, the eating late at night, that's a great way to put weight on. (laughs) If <laughs> That's what you want to do. But if your intention is not to add 10 pounds with every decade, um, think about having um, lunch as the main meal. And another trick to not gaining lots of weight and snacking into the late hours is right after your dinner, you do all your dental hygiene. You floss your teeth, you brush your teeth, you use the water pick, uh, mouth rinse, whatever it is you do. And then you have this sense like, oh, the The kitchen is closed for the night, you know, no matter what someone, do you want some chocolate cake? Do you want some peach pie? It's like, well, maybe I'll have it, I'll save it for tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so that dental awesome. hygiene thing helps. For sure. I, I noticed that within myself. So I've, for the last two years, I've been very, very conscious with, um, with sugar and especially flour. Um, and so doing, I, I've basically cut all of that out and I do do ebbs and flows and, I uh, test and tweak a lot of different things, but I've noticed that, yeah, since you went, when I completely cut out sugar and flour, I mean, it it just, you, you have that sense of energy, that sense of you just feel more uh, vibrant with, with, with your energy. And I feel that, and I'm always testing and tweaking, which is why I love these, these topics, but I feel like there's some, there's some, uh, mental patterns of why people are addicted to those things and keep going back to that chocolate cake or keep going back to that pie and, and thinking particular thoughts around, Oh, it's just this one time. If it's just this one time, it won't hurt. What are some, what are some, uh, some obstacles that you see that help that people need to overcome when they're, when they're going to more of a clean, uh, healthy diet?
1: Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point, Tyson. I think some people are actually addicted to things that they're allergic to or at least have food sensitivity, sensitivities to. So you don't often see people binge eating on you know, carrots or salad, it's often you know, bread and pastries and you know, dairy and ice cream and things like that. And so why, why would that be? And you, know, you mentioned flour, that you're doing a lot better not eating flour. And I, I do find that so many of my clients do better when they go gluten free. And um, I I like to remind them that like gluten is a protein and it's like glue, it makes things stick together. And it's in wheat, rye, barley, spelt and kamut, although I I think those are a lot better tolerated because they're less hybridized and they're more of an ancient grain. Um, and And then what do we do with flour products? We make pasta and pastry which is like paste. So if people start thinking of it as like, yeah, get off the glue and paste. Um, it gets a lot easier. And, and yet people like the f- fulfilling feeling of eating things that are hearty and sustaining. So I might introduce them to a food that maybe they haven't tried before, like quinoa, for example. And I'm really big on eating colors. So if you can get red or black, Quinoa, I like that, but quinoa is technically not a grain, it's a seed. It's in the same family as spinach and beets. It's native to Peru. It's very high in protein. So we often think of grains as being only high in carbohydrates, but quinoa has a really great amino acid profile, including the amino acid lysine. Um, So I love that. I love hemp seed um, as a great food source. I, um, yeah, I mentioned chia seeds already. So um trying to get people to try things that they've never tried. There's actually a proverb that says, for every new food you try, you add a day to your life. And so, you know, seaweeds or different types of squashes, um, but even when I'm making, selecting food, like for example, if I were to buy a potato, um, I'm going to buy purple or blue potatoes because those are closer to their natural state, Uh, it was hybridization that made potatoes into these big, white, starchy things, whereas the way that they originated in South America was like small blue and red and purple potatoes. Um, Same thing with corn, other than these big, huge, you know, white ears that are super sweet, the original corn was very short ears that were more red and purple and, and blue, for example. So, um, you know, I like to experiment, and I, and I love to try new things. I love to make healthy food, um, and I, I've had two vegetarian restaurants in my life, um, but I just like the idea of making it really simple. And, but again, wild food. I mean, this past week I've had dandelion noodles with the stems, and dandelion loaf, and dandelion nettle pancakes, gluten free. Um, so stinging nettles is another herb I really love. So think of all the money we would save if we ate more weeds. Think of all the time we'd save gas, all of that.
0: Yeah. It, I can clearly get the sense of why it would feel in harmony, right? Why you would feel like you're not only clean, but also using earth's resources in the way that it's in the way that it's meant to. And that's, that's, it's, it's such a good way to look at it because that serves not only you, it serves everyone else around you. And if you can, like you said, couple yourself and, and partner with people who also have healthy habits, who have this as a priority is, is super important. And I know Wayne Dyer talks a lot, about, a lot about these sort of habits. And one thing he said was uh, you'll never get enough of what you don't really want. And so that reminds me a lot when I, I love chocolate. So if I go and eat chocolate, although I, I generally only eat dark chocolate, if I eat too much of chocolate it, it, or, or you know even too much of sweets or something like that, it always reminds me, it's like your brain and your body, it, it'll never get enough of what you don't really want. It would, like you said, it, you'll just indulge in things that are an addiction that are not good for you. And it's only when you go to a healthy uh, plant-based uh, clean energy source that you won't actually overindulge. You know, you you get the sense that you're, you're, you're full. You get the sense that you've been, you're taken care of and you don't go to that. You don't go to the cupboard with all of these sugar based products. Um, so that's really, really cool. Uh, is there anything else people should remove from their, from their diet? I, I've, got, I've, like I said, mentioned sh- sugar, mentioned um, flour in terms of you know breads and pastas stuff I've I've really gotten rid of but is there anything else people need to be aware of that they should really just pay really close caution to
1: well you know I think it's individual because you know depending on your uh, heritage and your where you live um, but I do find a lot of people do better not eating dairy products, milk and cheese and ice cream. They tend to create a lot of phlegm. And so when I work with a client and they um, complain about having sinus congestion or they snore or they're they're always having a chronic cough or blowing their nose, they might find that getting off of uh, one of the common allergens. So knowing what the common allergens are, uh, dairy, eggs, corn, soy, um, sugar, shellfish, peanuts, um, uh, uh, wheat, gluten, so there's a, there's a, that's like nine of them, maybe there's another one, but, um, but I don't want to say that everybody is intolerant of all, all of those foods, so it, it's really pretty individual, but I think it's good to look at the list of what are the common allergens, and one of the reasons why people crave, Certain foods, and I was saying it might be that they're they have a, a sensitivity to it, but they feel that they've activated their immune system by eating the food. Like you come home and you say, Oh, I can't wait to have like pizza. So, with the pizza, you've got like flour and dairy, and probably a whole, whole lot of other things too. And you eat it, but you've actually you feel good temporarily because you've activated more white blood cell production. You've elevated your blood sugar, but then you know a couple of hours later, you're probably likely to feel very tired and groggy. And so, feeling foggy, soggy, and groggy—I like to call it—I um, think that um, getting off of, of, like you said, flour products or, or gluten in general, and then dairy products. Um, for a lot of people, that might be the ticket, but for someone else, it might be peanut butter, and I might switch them to tahini, which is a sesame butter or almond butter
0: mm. so it 's really just testing and tweaking, seeing what it is that that works for you and and judging by people 's heritage and where they live and everything like that can really have uh, clear factors um, so plenty of people can take notes and 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 you know do that journal right right out and and journal what 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 you eat throughout the week, it'll give you a clear indication where you're having too much sugar. You can also test and tweak and see how you feel. Is that what you would recommend is basically journal journal what you eat and then basically keep, keep tabs on how you feel after you eat and everything like that.
1: Yes, it can even be helpful to, you know, write your food journal, and you can do it for longer than a week, but maybe say, um, was really tired, had to take a nap, had a headache, had to take an aspirin, um, you know, felt constipated or bloated, or um, had a fight with my sweetheart you know, so even emotions like anger or didn't sleep well, and just see if there's any pattern. Um, and then it may be that you keep the food journal, and then you go to a health practitioner and, you know, get some other insight, If especially if nutrition is not really your thing that you studied, because we all have things that we specialize in. But I just also wanted to say that I would love to encourage people to do more handcrafts. And I know that sounds like terribly old fashioned, something that our grandparents did, but I think that we use food as a way of socializing and celebrating and relaxing and unwinding. And granted uh, that can be wonderful, but I also think that we would probably have a lot less addiction and obesity on our planet. If people channeled some of their, that energy in doing something, creating something of beauty, whether it be playing an instrument. Um, I love to do handcrafts. I sew, I knit, I crochet. Um, Even my guy friends, when they come over, often bring their mending and, you know, hemming and sewing buttons on clothes and they need a little guidance I'm willing to to help and show them how to do it but um, I during this time where my grandchildren have been quarantined I've been suggesting like you know the kids need to be learning how to garden they need to learn how to make food to make healthy food and they need to learn how to do laundry and sew not just do school in front of the computer so um, so I think a lot of these things start young but I do think that we use um, substances like food or even just scrolling on Facebook or Instagram all the time to, because we have a lot of nervous energy. And if you made something of beauty, or I love that you talked about journaling because it could be, you know, writing a poem or writing a ditty or, or writing about your dreams. I think that's a great way to clear the slate. Um, and another thing is, I, since I know a lot of your uh, people that watch this want techniques for success, and I'm really big on having a, a day timer, you know, not just a, li- uh, a notebook or a list, but like uh, this is the law of attraction day planner, and I really love it, and I write everything down. Um, because I think very often we feel overwhelmed. There's so much to do. And we're not only maybe thinking about our schedule, but our kids or our partners or our, our, our friends' things. And so I, li- I like to remind people, if you think it, ink it. Because very often we say we're going to do something. Oh, yeah, I'll send you that file. I'll send you that book list. I'll, I'll send you that link. And we don't ever do it because we didn't write it down and we totally forgot what we said we were going to do. And th- not only does that undermine our uh, competency as far as being reliable, but it also makes us feel overwhelmed and confused. And so I feel like the day, I call it a day tripper because it's, you know, I'm a Beatles fan fan. Day tripper, yeah. Um, but I'm really big on that and that the the wonderful feeling when you get like you cross things off at the end of the day, like, oh, I didn't make that call. Oh, I didn't get around to that today, so I'm gonna write it down for tomorrow. because otherwise, you are gonna have a lot more anxiety and um, lists don't really have a day, you know, a time set. It's just a list. And so, you know, you, you don't write a book in a day or write an article in a day, but you might write, you know, start that or research that or make that call or interview that person.
0: Yeah. If you think it, ink it. I love that. That's so, it's, I mean, for me, it's, it's so key for business owners who do have a lot of ideas. They are creative. They want to create in the world and they want to serve and they want to, and they want to build something. And when you do get those heightened level ideas, it's, it's important to write them down. Or if it is like I get on a lot of interviews and a lot of calls and if I say to someone, I'm going to connect you, if I can't do it in that moment, I'll, I'll have to write it down just to remind myself, like you said, it's part of your personal integrity. um, But I believe we have those high level ideas for a reason. And if you just, if you're letting them fall by the wayside, it kind of doesn't, doesn't let them lead to anything. So, I mean, that's super, super important. Is there anything else that comes through for you? I mean, this has already been jam-packed with, with tips and tricks and information, but is there anything else that's flowing through you in terms of some advice or some strategies that people can start to implement to to get more energy in their life?
1: Well, I I want to share that I have never learned to drive a car, and one of the things that we've been remarking about the planet right now is that the air is cleaner, there's more birds, there's more wildlife, and I I, I think that we really need to rethink how we're going about things. And so I would love to encourage people to look into maybe it's not that hard to take public transportation, to carpool, to walk more, and that could be in place of, you know, going to the gym. Um, so it is possible to do that, and I think with you know almost eight billion people on the planet, if everybody has a car, the gas, the steel, the plastic, all that goes into it it's just going to be a bigger and bigger mess. You know, if not now, it's already a big mess. Um, but it's only going to get worse. So I'm just encouraging people to rethink that. I do live in Boulder, which is not a huge town. So I do walk to the university where I teach and, uh, the pharmacy where I work. I also work from home a lot. Um, I do private zoom calls with people all around the world for health reasons. But, um, you know, Fine. You, just like you learn to drive a car, you can learn how the bus schedule works or how the train or the, um, the metro or whatever it is that you have. And there's also carpooling. There's also bicycling. Um, but we, we need to figure out the transportation thing because we can't go back to the way things were. We, we need to take action. And everybody, we know that it's part of the problem, but we need to do something about it. So that's one thing. And then I, you know, I did say, you know, create more local food, preferably in your own yard. And if you live in a a high rise or an apartment, you can still probably grow some things on your windowsill or your balcony, whether it be oregano (laughs) or or cherry tomatoes or chives or something, but, you know, just to add something fresh. Um, to your food on a regular basis and if you have children when they see the miracle of like you plant a carrot and it grows they're probably a lot more likely to eat the carrot than uh you know than it just came from the store so i think about that um i i love the idea of feng shui because i think feng shui is a you know it's an ancient art of placement and if you're striving to have more success I don't. I'm not really going to teach a class on feng shui right now, but it is a system that you might want to think about. And so, when I think about having a business, like um, you know, if your business is something you believe in, you want it to be visible. You want people to know about it. And if you're And that might mean that you have to socialize and go out and always have cards with you or always have flyers with you. And you need to spend a certain percentage on marketing what you do, not just making what you do or doing it. So it's the marketing it. And if you're not adept at doing that, then you find some person to be like an assistant or an apprentice who wants to learn from you. So I'm really blessed. I have an apprentice who makes, um, you know, posts for me, Instagrams and YouTubes. And, you know, I, I, I know what to say on the camera, but she's so great about like, how do you get it on the YouTube or yeah. the Facebook live and all that. So, you know, a lot of times you find people that can compliment um, your talents and it can be a trade or, and sometimes my apprentices actually end up being someone I pay later on, especially if they're really good. So we complete our agreement and then, you know, I might say, I'd love to still continue to work with you. Um, but feng shui, uh, you know, means getting rid of clutter. It means um, organizing things, knowing where things are. And there's many great books on feng shui and you can, you know, learn about, you um, is my entrance highly visible? Um, what are people's first impressions when they walk into a business? Is there anything that's going to lure them in? And you know, it, sometimes people want to be really humble, but it, if your business is your extension and if you believe in what you're offering it really is your duty to promote it and sometimes you don't really feel like going to that party but if you go to that party or that you know event you might meet someone who could really be an ally for you and also work with the community Um, you know when you see your colleagues or people that are your allies you know um, like their stuff on Facebook or, or trade with them Um, and make referrals to one another. So, you know, as a medical herbalist, I might refer people to um, a a holistic physician or an acupuncturist or massage therapist. And rather than seeing our careers as separate, you know, they all have a place and and then they make referrals back to you. But really, you know, giving gratitude. If if, um, I'm on someone's podcast or, I'm in their magazine or radio show or whatever it is. I'm going to promote that and promote them. I'm not just going to let it, you know, wither on the vine because it's like, Hey, we're working together because we believe in this. So I'm going to give it back and really show up and um, use all the tools that we have to help both of us help those that are helping
0: me. Mm, That's amazing. It's such a different mindset than most people who are in business for growing for status, focusing on what they can get. It's a completely different energy and mindset What you're describing in terms of collaborating in terms of doing service exchanges, promoting each other, realizing we're all, we're all one, we're all in the same sort of industry of helping people. And, um, it comes from that place of abundance and, and that really does come across. And so I want to thank you for being on here and definitely it's clear by your energy, clear by uh how you show up that you are full of of life and full of vibrancy and 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 just keen to share what your heart's sharing. So I want to honor you and thank you for that and for being on here. Where where can people find more out about what you're doing, what your what your expertise is and how they can dive in deep further.
1: Well just BrigitteMars.com all my books are on there and um, many YouTubes and articles. And uh, Tyson, thank you so much and Hopefully you'll send me a link and I can share this and many, many blessings to you and your listeners.
0: Of course. Yes. I'll definitely, definitely send that. I'll, uh, I'll let people know in advance when this is coming out, because this is, it's such a key topic. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing the results of people. And if anyone's keen to dive in deep and give me a, uh, an insight in terms of how this has helped them and how this has shifted and what they're looking to change. Uh, no doubt. I'd be happy to have that conversation and I'll, I'll pass you on to Brigitte as well if anyone has uh, any further questions. But thanks so much. I appreciate your time.
1: Peace and love. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Business podcast. If you're like me and you have a heart that wants to contribute, you might want to come join us over on the online Facebook community called Connect, Contribute, Collaborate.